This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. All right, so you know what time it is. It's Thursday. It's two o'clock. Let's get into it. Special guest in studio. It's called Who's for Lunch? Who's for Lunch? <laughs> I know. Who's <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, who's for lunch? Who's who? I love it. Who is it for lunch? I've been trying to figure out how I feel about seeing you and seeing you in this context. Yeah. And having you, a person who, obviously, we have a whole bunch of touch points over history. Yeah. But that, you know, I admire so much your diligence, your work, your talent. You're just so cool. And here you are on the program. Yeah. And it's just really wonderful to welcome you here. Thank Hello. you. It's such an honor being here. It's such an honor seeing. I mean, yeah, we've known each other for so many years. Um, you know, it's it's an honor just watching your growth as well, even though like I keep updates on social media um and it's just great like it's just we're blessed we really are blessed we really are blessed yeah yeah yeah. i feel that on a regular basis and i feel that regardless of circumstance Mm -hmm. that somehow i drew the lucky ticket you know in a lot of ways you feel that way um sure i mean just i think my uh when i look at people in my life mm. when I look at family close friends uh, the partner that God has blessed me with I'm like wait I'm like I am his favorite child mm. you know like and obviously there'll, you know there'll be challenges there'll be things and um, life will throw a lot of things at you um, but it's really just about it's really just about you know the gratitude list, right? Yeah. What am I grateful for? If you if you start, I'm grateful to f- wake up in the morning for health. For you know, then that gratitude list is like that's what makes you realize that you're blessed. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's no secret, Tabang and I were on KTV together. Yes. Uh, that's one of the spaces. I wouldn't say where my career started, but it definitely was quite a solidifying space for my career. Yeah. And even in that space, I don't know how much conversation we had about Gussie life. And right. I'll tell you why. Because yeah. every time I read that Tabangi Mutwa Tembisa, I don't know if we ever connected to those stories. Sure. Perhaps as individuals at that sure. era, and you know, 95, 6, 7, whatever it was. Yeah. Um, and then in conversation, if that was even something that was relevant to bring up ever, sure. take us back to young Tabang. Well, I think firstly we were very small, right? Like we were babies on that show. Like yeah. so I don't think and I think for me at least, like seeing everyone at the studios was like I was excited. Like yes. I was you know, I'd finish school and then like, you know, I'd have to go to studio to shoot. Mm. Um, it was exciting. So I don't think I think lots of the time it was just about, yo, I'm with I'm gonna see my other friends. Yeah. You know? Um so yeah, I mean, born in Tembisa, Tembisa City Wing, uh, raised by both parents, mm-hmm. um, two two younger sisters, uh, and Gog, like you know, Gogo always held it down because, you know, at the time, obviously, uh, parents are working, so they can't really be, be looking after the kids. So you know, the kids, the grandkids, always grow up quite close to their grandmother mm-hmm. because of just like 
you know, situations. Um, and just like, I think obviously at the time, even now, um, just black people getting on their feet. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it was always, for me, the duality of like living in Tembisa and then being a presenter on like, uh, on a streaming service was so hard because it was just like, because I'd say to my friends in Tembisa, I'm on TV. Mm. They'd be like, ah, one mark. You know, because we didn't have no one, no one had Mnet. Did All you we, have Mnet? No. We I didn't, didn't have, have Mnet yeah. either. <laughs> you know, so I used to, I remember going to KTV to be like, please, can I have the shows that I'm on, put them onto a VHS machine? Yeah. yeah. Because we had VHS machines. So I'd never be able to watch myself like on TV. Mm. Um, and none of my friends were as well. But uh, something I remember so so vividly was just like myself having to kind of like adjust, being like the kid in Tembisa playing with his friends in the streets, in the dust, and then like the opportunity of like being a KTV presenter, traveling Africa, having like spending money, money earning a salary, yeah, that and like just having like the time of my life, yeah. you know. And, you know, back then, obviously, we didn't have cell phones. So all, all I could do was live in the experience. Couldn't take pictures. The pictures we took were like, you know, it wasn't... It was, it was just like a time where, like, whatever you were experiencing, you had to be there in the moment, mm. present, real time. Mm. You know? Talk to me about code switching, because that's what you're describing. Yeah. And many of us in this generation have had to learn to acclimatize, to shift ourselves, change yeah. ourselves, to yeah. fit everywhere we go. How's yeah. that benefited you or have left you, you know, spaces that you need to heal from <laughs> in your life now? It was quite, you know, I think as a child uh, and as well not having the, what was it? Um, not having the opportunity to have, like an elderly person talked to me about it. It was very hard to kind of like wrap my head around mm. it, right? Because we were on KTV, we would, we would get like gifts, right? They'd give us like shoes, sneakers, gadgets. You know, if we did a link for that watch, remember the Tamagotchi watch? Of like we did a link. You would get stuff. You always mm. got stuff. I remember feeling like mm. uh, feeling bad about myself for the opportunity. Like, I remember just like, not like when I went back to the hood, I'd feel bad that I'm like, oh man, like I'm experiencing this and and my friends aren't experiencing this, you know. Um, I remember I t there was a time where I had, I think we had received sneakers or a pair of shoes yeah. and I really wanted to wear them uh, like out. Um, but I felt bad. So I, I, I made them dirty. Like I dirty them up and then I played I played in them and then uh, then when it was time to go to KTV I was like, Hey man, my sneakers are too dirty, like I need to clean them up. So it was just very I think it was because I didn't really have an, an understanding really of like uh of what it meant to be a child star. Yeah. But who has an understanding? Yeah, 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 sure. <laughs> yeah. Who has an understanding sure. of that? You see, this is what I'm, I'm saying. There, there's certain people, obviously, in friendship groups or, you know, as colleagues, you gravitate towards and you have these conversations. But yeah. I, I think as young black people at that time, yeah, there weren't 
words to articulate what we were feeling. Yeah, yeah, sure. And you'll find that a child who comes from a very underprivileged situation and then goes to, you know, one of these uh, Ivy League private schools also has that kind of uh, experience. I just think it's this very interesting space to be talked about in lots of ways. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. A child star. How interesting. But you were at art school. Yes. And so you knew about your talent. Right. Did you know exactly what you'd imagine yourself to do eventually? Was it always going to be film? Uh, or what were some of your big dreams? I know, didn't you want to be a rapper also at some point? I was, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were rappers. <laughs> we used to rap. We used to, we used to, we used to have, um, we used to go to Park Station. Uh, we used to battle like, you know, back then there were rap crews based on the school that you were at, right? Yeah. So we'd battle the Jeppy boys. Uh, We had our own squad at school, and there was another squad as well. I mean, some of the guys are still rapping. Mugs is still rapping. Uh, Sugar Smacks is still rapping. Uh, They're like uh, OGs in hip-hop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Those are like, you know. um, But, I mean, I think at some point I was like, wait, I I really love art. Mm. I loved photography, loved black and white photography, processing my own images Mm. in a dark room. Um, And then, like, the bug just, like, bit me when I was, like, I think grade 11, I did a short film uh, with two KTV presenters, with uh, with Wandile. Was Wandile a part of it? Wandile and Gamo. And like the second that happened, it was wow. just like, it was just like, yeah, the wheels, like the wheels started turning. I was like, okay, this is it for me. Like, I'm going to make movies. What was that short film? Uh, it was a short film uh, quite inspired by... Um, by Reservoir Dogs. Okay. Yeah, so it was like a heist that had gone wrong. And then this guy comes home uh, and he's shot and he's got blood on his shirt. And we were shooting in the suburbs here in Greenside. We were shooting by one of the writer's houses. Mm. And we put, I mean, we obviously didn't know, but we put an actor in a white shirt and we put blood all over him. And then we made him run up the road in Greenside, like panting, holding a gun. And then the cops came because they said that the neighbors, one of the neighbors thought There's someone crime. was shot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Someone's running and he's got blood on his shirt. Sorry, excuse me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. Yeah, so once, so once that happened for me, it was just like, mm. like okay, I want to tell stories. Singers talk about that moment of flow where right. you're on stage. I yeah. suppose it can happen for actors as well. Right. You almost have a transcendent experience. Sure. What does it feel like behind the camera, so to speak? It's where it's, you know, I'm very, I always, you know, I'm under the 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 belief um, and the understanding that God is working through me, right? So I always, I always kind of whatever project I'm on, whether it's a movie or a drama series or a commercial that I'm directing. I always ask God, please let me see this through your lens. Mm. Let me see this through your eyes. Um, so I always find that like, whenever I finish a production, I get completely exhausted. Like I com- like it's almost like I have a complete shutdown. Um, when I get into edit, and I'm working on it again, I'm like, wait, that's a like that. We made some really good choices. Okay. Like that's a really good choice that we made. Like, oh, I like this a lot. You know, uh, it's almost like. It's like I'm definitely present in the moment of creating it. Mm. But then something, when the project ends, something leaves me. Like it's something, I don't know. It's almost like an end to that experience. Um, 
yeah, it's quite a spiritual thing for me. Mm. Like directing is a very, uh, yeah, I just I love it so much. Like I don't, I can't imagine myself doing anything else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's when you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, yeah. you yeah. found your thing. Yeah, we're in studio with film and television director Tabang Mulea. Uh, you'll recognize him as a name behind films such as Happiness is a Four Letter Word, Happiness Ever After, uh, The Incredible Gomorrah, which was on uh, until very recently, and right now you can have a look at the six part crime drama Soon Comes Night, which is on Netflix. I've watched episode one. Okay. <laughs> and then I ran out of time. I had to go do things. And I was like, but I want to watch more. Right, yeah, yeah. Tell me about this. Because you bring us along on social media in this right. very interesting way where we don't know what you're working on. Yes. But we know you're working on something. Yeah, sure. And then we know, okay, there's going to be car flips here. But what is he working <laughs> yeah. on? And so talk to us about the process of bringing this to life. So uh, there was a very interesting. Uh, so even though I'm the co, one of the co-owners and co-founders of Siriti, this wasn't a project that came through our business. It was a project that Oka Media approached me on, uh, and asked me to leave my own business for a few months so I could do the show. Okay. It's very rare that I accept such an offer. Is that so? Yeah, it's very rare because. Uh, because I'm an asset to my business and it's my business, mm. you know, like I own it with like people that I love and mm. trust. Um, and Gomorrah had just, Gomorrah was reaching its end. Uh, so we knew that Gomorrah was coming to an end. So I was like, man, let me read this, you know, because I've also been established or I've established myself as a director who's very good at uh, setting up shows. So if it's a six part or an eight part or if it's a telenovela, like even with Gomorrah, yeah. I did the first 20 episodes. With every show that Siriti does, I always set the show up. Gotcha. I create the look, the pace. And so I read these scripts and I was like, man, this is riveting. Like this is really, because I've always been, I've always been fascinated by a story of this story of MKs, right? Mm. Like freedom fighters that left the country, went into exile and went for training. Now, you get two types, right? You got the ones that you have freedom fighters that went into uh, guerrilla training, and then you went, you are ones that, uh, that traveled to go for, um, for an education, education. For, for degrees, yeah. to be doctors, to be lawyers, to be. But I always, I always thought, what happened, to, what happened to the movement and the liberation when, when people didn't get onto the gravy train? Right, for lack of a better term, like the forgotten and the fallen MKs. Yeah. The guys that came back and they were just, there was like, no, there's nothing for you. Like, there's actually nothing. We're liberated. But all these people know is how to fight, right? They, mm. all, they, all they know is like how to prepare for war because that's what they were trained. That's mm. why they were taking out the country. So I've always been fascinated by that story. So when Soon Comes Night came and um, the character played by Gwenzo, um, when he finally reaches a point where he's like, he comes back, but freedom isn't the freedom that he thought he was going to die for out mm. there. Um, and like much like, like we saw in like, you know, the cash and transit heists and the rise of those heists, a lot of those people were, were trained guerrilla military people. Like that's why they were so unstoppable sure. because like these guys are trained in warfare. War strategy, yeah. how to execute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So it's very, I was very captivated by that. I still am. Um, there's stories that there's so many stories that we still need to tell. Like there's also female MK soldiers. There's yeah. women that went out and fought. And I'm like, where's that story? Who's that woman that left her family behind and trained to become a soldier to fight for our liberation, you know? Um, so yeah, it's just, for me, like, South African stories that haven't been told are always something I gravitate towards. There was a time where there was a criticism mm. that we were always telling the single South African story, and it had right. to do with HIV and survival from that point of right. view. And so it is very exciting yeah. when we tell these more nuanced stories. Yes. When we talk about having the stories being told, mm. are writers writing enough? Are enough books being authored? Right. Is enough of the machine creating the stories? Yeah, I definitely think so. Look, a lot of the stories I get were are also book adaptations. Yeah. So my first film was Happiness is a Four-Letter Word is adapted from a book. Mm that Cynthia Chele wrote. Um, I have I had acquired the rights to a Zeg Simda book that I was that that I was adapting. Um, by the time I got a writer on and we started on the adaptation, we moved so far away from the book mm. that it didn't actually feel right to to still say a Zeg Simda story, you know? Um, and that's what an adaptation does. An adaptation can sometimes be used um, to take you to a story that you actually meant to tell. But for me, I literally, like, I spend a lot of time at exclusive books. I'm trying to find, um, you know, book adaptations. Uh, Red Ink is also coming out soon. Yeah. And I know I know everyone involved behind that. Um, the stories are there. I always yeah. say, like, even though as a storyteller, you're always kind of going, oh, I need to think of stories. I always kind of, like, the foundation of African literature not just South African stories, like African literature is at our disposal. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, there's also another one by Silo uh, Dekker that I'm reading mm. at the moment. Very talented author. Unfortunately, didn't, um, you know, I, I really think he's one of the most powerful writers. Unfortunately, he's not around anymore. But the, just the way he the way he writes is just so... Yeah, writing, write, writing is a thing. Like, writing is yeah, a thing. The writing, I respect. Even if you're not an author and you're just in the, you know, the 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 space of writing, like Chedza Pictures, Grid mm, Empire 2, mm. um, I love what they're doing. I, I, you know, I have good relationships with a lot of the production companies in the country. It's not a competitive, for me, it's never been about like, oh, we're in competition. It's like we are an industry that, we lean on each other. We support each other. I believe we should be supporting and leaning onto each other rather yeah. than rather than creating a very competitive, because the competitiveness is something that we inherited when we all opened our own production companies. Um, a lot of the white-owned production companies had a very competitive edge amongst each other. So when we got in and started owning our own, we're like, wait, wait, we don't have to do it like that. Like, mm. actually, I need to use your cameras for something. Can I borrow them? I need to use your production facilities to edit something. Can I Can I do this? So it's very important to you uh, to have that trade of exchange that mm. isn't even based on what can you give me. It's just I need to help you out. That's incredibly powerful because yeah. success isn't linear. It's yes. not a ladder. It's almost like a spider web. Right? Yes, we all it is. kind of need each other to hold each other's hands. Very true. Where do you get that from? Uh, um, I think <clears throat> the catalyst of like 
that kind of thinking was yeah. uh, Mr. Shauna Ferguson. Uh. Uh, and I think he was just so accommodating of his time. You would always, like, if you try to call him and you can get, and you can get a hold of him, he'd call you back. Mm, mm. Um, and there was a time when um, Siriti had just done uh, a 13-part called The Herd. And we were now waiting for, we hadn't even pitched Komora yet. And Mr. Shaw had, uh, he had a show called The Imposter. Mm. But he had done season one and he was about to start his telenovela. So he couldn't do season two. So he literally called us up and said, listen, I have a 13 part. This is the idea. Channel want a second season. I can't do it because I want to focus on this telenovela. Can you guys do it? I'm like, can we do it? Yeah, we need. Yeah, of course we can do it. (laughs) You know, and I think like. That's extraordinary. Yeah, it was very extraordinary. It's very, I've never heard of anyone do that till this day. Here's this thing that we've built that works, that's sold. Yeah. And for whatever creative reason I have, can't do it. Yeah. Instead of spreading myself too thin, here's a young black guy yeah. hands the baton over. Yeah. Wow, that's now, profound. Yeah, it's very profound. And Mr. Shaw was very, Yo. you know, Mr. like Shauna was so good at that, right? Mm, because mm. the thing about Shauna and uh, Mom um, Siscone is that, like, they've got capacity. They could have had the capacity to pull the manpower. Okay. Right? They could have said, okay, cool. We're doing the queen. We've got this. Let's just pull enough resources to run both simultaneously. Mm. But it wasn't about that for them. For them, it was about how do we develop or how do we help this very young, budding production team continue going. And the great thing is that also, you know, like to also give acknowledgement to uh, Mzansi Magic is that by the time Mr. Shaw said, these guys are going to do it, they there wasn't any kind of resistance because mm. we had already done The Hurt season one, you know. Um, so they were like, okay, yeah, if these guys are open to doing it, let them do it. So I think just that nature of like uh, not being greedy, yeah. not 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 feeling like, because some, cause sometimes, you know, it doesn't even have to be in film. You always say like, oh, I don't want to give this person this resource because they're going to take away any other opportunity that I might have, you know, because, you know, we're humans. So our first instinct is survival, right? Mm. And, but sometimes by that instinct, we forget that we should, that survival isn't based on what do I have. Sometimes survival is like, how can I actually help this person get through the day? Yeah. What I'm also hearing is about, is, uh, where preparation meets opportunity. Yes, true. So you had also, with your Seriti team, sharpened yourself, proven yourself. Yeah. And so that could happen. Really yeah. beautiful. We're going to find out what's happening in our power headlines now. We're in studio yes. with film and TV director Tabang Mulea. You can call in on 0861-987-000. I've got a tweet here saying, I'm listening to your show right now. I have a story to tell. The gentleman you are in studio with, tell him to call me. No, no, no. Call us. G- give us a call. 0861-987-000. Straight after this, your 2.30 power headlines. Learn something new and connect with like-minded contributors in health, wealth, and relationships. This is Power Lunch with Bobby Malloy on Power 98.7. Olisa Khadebe says, dope storyteller, dope guy. There's lots more amazing to come from him. We're talking, of course, 
of our guest in studio, film and television director Tabang Mule, award-winning film and television <laughs> director Tabang Mule in studio with us in conversation about this really incredible show, um, the crime drama Soon Comes Night, which is on Netflix. I've got it here as Netflix Africa. Yeah. What does that mean? So can I just so refer to Netflix or do I have refer. to say you can refer. So Netflix have Africa rights. Okay. And then there's another streaming service in Europe called Red Arrow that have Europe rights and then they can sell it to another US sales uh, streamer that can take the USA. Was this a, a, a honors or master's degree in when the streaming is, came on and created these types of platforms for you. Yeah, yeah definitely. Look, I mean, at, at some point, I think when I was studying, there's only there was only one place you could go to, right? Right. And we would like. I remember there were times we would be marching outside, um, and I don't know what I don't know. I'd be like, oh, there's a march for actors, all right? And I'd be like, yeah, let's go march, you know. Where would you be marching? Where's <clears throat> the one place? Oakland Park. All oh, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, Oakland Park. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I was marching. I was just like, ah, these filmmakers, they're gathered. It's a revolution. I don't know. I was young. I was like 19. <laughs> so, but I think, you know, I think with, with where we are right now, it's so nice. It's, it's, it's great having the opportunity of knowing that, like, um, our stories can, can live and go to different places. Yeah. Um, it's good for the economy of film. Um, but it's not enough. Look, I, I'm I'm really I'm really happy that um the streamers that are proudly proudly saying that we are about telling African, South African stories, mm. authentic Mzansi stories, you know? Because um, it's important. It's important that we we cultivate our own audience and we grow our own audience. You know, Nigeria did that well, India did that well. You know, in India they make more like you go to a cinema if there's 10 movies in that cinema seven of them will be indian movies made in india and three of them will be international movies and i'm not saying that look we obviously are also you know a, uh, a society that likes to you know embrace foreign content and there's nothing wrong with that but the output of work that we should be doing is good but we can double this up right we can double this up um because We've got the talent. And when I was studying film, mm. however many years ago, there were only like, there was myself and two other people in class that wanted to be directors. So there were three people in varsity that wanted to be directors. Five of them wanted to be DOPs. Another three wanted to be editors. Oh. Now you go to university, right? you'll find a class of 15 people that want to be directors. So what's going to happen? Like mm. something needs to give, right? Because not all, not all 15 can become directors, but they need to be creating work, right? Because what, is, what, what do you mean by not all 15 can become directors? Because there's not enough work. Right. There won't be enough work. By the time they finish studying, there won't be enough work, right? Because here's the thing. The three directors that I was in, college with 15 20 years ago they're still directing right we're still directing yeah right now the kids that are in varsity right now the 15 that are about that graduated last year they're going to meet another 15 that graduated the year before of the course. year before and they'll still meet the ones that graduated when i was 
in university 20 years ago. All proliferating the industry. All of them trying to penetrate. All of them needing an opportunity. Yeah. All of them wanting a chance. So the output is going to actually put us in a point where there's going to be too many kids, too many young people that are qualified, that have the experience, that have the talent, mm. that just don't have the opportunity. That gap is going to become very, it's, it's already big, but it's just going to get worse over time. Unless our streamers are actually saying, okay, we have enough output to put more, we have more of a drive or hunger. But that output is also going to be determined by the audience appetite. That's it. Right? That output is going to be determined by the audience appetite. So the more, like when we say, guys, watch local stuff, like mm. if there is a show or a series on Netflix, if you're not going to watch it, just put it on. Like literally put it on, put it on in the background, you can drop the music and then at the end of the show, put double like because okay. that stuff is so important. Oh, the liking, the interaction with the interface. Yeah, that's you have important. To. Yeah, yeah, that like plus plus. Hey. You must go plus plus. Or thumbs up. Or thumbs, up it is. Yeah. thumbs up. Thumbs yeah. up. Because that's so important. Like we are going to, we're already struggling. We're already like the youth unemployment is already high, but also just like the kids that are, and I've met so many young, talented individuals and I'm just like, man. Like, you know, I'm mentoring uh, Lindo Langa, who's doing very well. Uh, every now and again, I have good um, kind of engagements with young directors and I, and I help them get their ideas to a certain place. But yeah. it, it's, 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 it's really not enough. Are these things, the cell phones, mm -hmm. helping, hindering, encouraging, creating a new space where content can, cre can, can exist or be created? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I, I mean, that's also, um, you know, I, I have two cameras at home. I don't remember when last I pulled out those cameras because I shoot everything on my cell phone now, yeah. you know. Um, but I mean, that's, that's good. And you'll also find that like a lot of the young people are using it as platforms to create YouTube channels and stuff. But I, I'm really talking more about a sustainable industry that sure. has like For an sure. economic stability. Um, and it just, it breaks my heart because even the directors that I studied with 15, 20 years ago, those guys are still struggling. Like, you know, it's, it's to, to like crack it and make it, it's very, very difficult. It's not, it's not easy. Right. I always think about an <clears throat> industry and yeah. I think about sustainable living wages for right. everybody in the industry right. because you know people the first point of contact is whoever's in front of the camera right, right. but everything around that then yeah. you know from the writers to the directors to the guys who are bashing cables to every single aspect is yeah. so vitally important yeah. and and the industry does need to get to that place sure it really does oh. and the audience is about it's about the only reason China, uh, what's this? India, India can have 10 cinemas and seven of them have Indian movies is because Indian people are going to watch like their own stories now, being told. Are right? you saying whether it's a good Indian film, bad Indian <laughs> film or not yeah. either, yeah. people are still going to watch because you know that comes up yeah, 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 sure. as, as a critique. Ah, right. Sure. I mean, if you look at the Nollywood model, right? <laughs> like... Enough said, enough said. Yeah. But yes. But they're not 
I mean, you you're seeing a lot of uh, uh, night like Nollywood films uh, that are now coming on Netflix. Yeah. But you must remember that, like, for every Nollywood film that's on Netflix, there's probably like sixty that are never gonna make it there, but they'll still have their audience, right? So for me, I'm just like, listen. Um, if you look at Tyler Perry's early work, was it really good? Uh, he got he obviously got better. Right, he might not like be. He's not Christopher Nolan, but yeah. he definitely got better. Yeah. Um, but he also needed an audience to say, "Ah, that wasn't that great. Wasn't that great? His next one was better. Ah, the fourth one wasn't that great, but the fifth one is better. Oh wait, actually, the sixth is good. The seventh is good. But you need to. You need a market yeah. that can critique you, and you need to be okay with that critique. But you actually, that market is your audience base. Those are your viewers." That's why when you go to your investors, you say your return on investment is based on the fact that I can get these numbers. So maybe organically that's what's happening. Yeah. That, that we're becoming a little bit more savvy yeah. and, and film educated. Yeah, I'm, definitely. I'm curious about something here. Mm. So soon comes night, mm-hmm. uh, six parts on Netflix, January 19th. Yeah. So that's out. But then soon comes night will also air on SABC One in 2025. Right. How does that work? So that's because it's a licensing deal. So if you look at um, a piece of cake, a cake is a really so you've got a round, you've got this beautiful cake. Uh, let's say it's a red velvet cake. I knew right? you were going to say that. Somehow. Really? It's so strange. <laughs> <laughs> There's a red velvet cake, right? I'm the baker, right? And I say, Pabi, to make this cake is going to cost you 100 rand. Mm-hmm. You say, Tawang, I don't have 100 rand. I'll give you 30 rand. So, okay, okay, cool. For 30 rand, that's great. You can only have so much of the cake, right? But then there's another person called Lulama, for example, and she says, actually, I've got 60 rand for the cake. So she's got double than what you have. So I say, okay, cool. I'm going to give her the cake, right? And when... Because the 60 rand value means that she's paid more so she can decide like how much of the cake she wants, mm-hmm. right? So that's the license deal to mm-hmm. Netflix where they say, okay, we're going to have it for X amount of uh, a time period. That's a window that's locked in by them, right? Then what happens with you, you come in and you say, okay, cool. Since you only paid 30 rand, right. I'll give you access to this only after three years, so that's the window that you have it. Okay. So they've so um so those are the different partners that are involved. And then you also got the overseas partner, Red Arrow, who also contributed. But at the end of the day, as the baker, I needed everyone to contribute to this cake. I needed everyone, right? Even though someone came in with thirty Rand, sixty Rand, ten Rand, five Rand, five Rand. I just wonder why that's a part of the initial PR. That's interesting to me. Um, it, well, I don't know. I think it was also just to kind of say that as if, like uh, people who don't have um, access, who don't have access mm. to to uh, to paying, and who've got free to air channels, that hey, listen, you you're not left out. Okay, you know, like you're also gonna get a piece of this, but only at this time. I love that though. It's very important. It is. It's so important. You recently- uh, people people are sharing past. Passwords. I'm for password, you know, boy. I'm got a password. <laughs> Stop sharing your Netflix passwords, guys. <laughs> Didn't they block us from doing that? I don't know. There's a way. You yeah. know. 
<laughs> no, there's yeah, some. There you must know be. things. <laughs> you, you're the friend to have. Yeah, you recently spoke out about mm. challenges in accessing music. Yes. By local artists, even legends, yes. who, who you'd imagine. I mean, maybe I'm I'm dating them f- too far back, but you'd imagine some of this music is already public. Right. Um, but someone like Mama Maria Makeba, right. for you to use in film and series. It's so difficult. Yeah. It's the most, it's one of the most challenging things you'll, that we struggle with as filmmakers. Luckily, we've got a relationship, obviously, with TKZ. Um, it was, it was a lot easier to get some of their music onto Soon Comes yes. Night. It was very, but, you know, the second we started looking into Brenda Fassi and we wanted to, I mean, that was such popular music in the mid 80s, in the mid 90s, even now, us. right? Yeah. But it's so difficult getting, like, this because also because black artists were exploited, mm. you know, the music rights, the, the publishing rights, these rights, there's so many legal terms. That by the time you actually say, oh, actually, I want to use a little bit of weekend special, like there are so many people that you have to pay. You know, it's the catch. The catch is that these people are not even in the country. Yeah. They're not even in the country, right? The catch is like, it's literally as good as when there's a museum in London that says, we're going to take these diamonds from Africa and Africa can't have them back. We're going to put these diamonds in a museum and this is their value. And that's what's happened to musicians who were exploited when they were coming up in the industry, who were told to sign checks, who were told to sign contracts, contracts I mean, yes. and then they were given cash yeah. that, that, they, that they obviously spent uh, sometimes carelessly, sometimes wisely. But I don't know. I really think that we need a huge intervention by government to actually get, to get these rights back and to actually, like, you know, those estates should be sitting with the families um, those rights should be. It's so hard, man. It's like, so hard. Wow, even getting getting Huma Sikela's music is hard. Getting you know, unless you have a relationship with the family directly, even even they will say you have to call the family estate lawyers or you have to call the estate. Then the, there's the estate that's on its own. Then there's where the rights sit. Then there's the publishing rights. There, there's so many. I even forget the legal terms, but there's so many loopholes. That you actually like, you get so exhausted, and you're like, okay, what can I get? Do what? you do you think it's easier abroad? Because that sounds abroad. like how the music industry works. Yeah, look, it definitely is. Look, I mean, I think if you look at uh, you know overseas, they've already made a Ray Charles movie, right? It's probably Jamie Fox was in it. He's won an Oscar. Where's the Huma Skela story? Where's the Miriam Makeba story? Where's the Brenda Fassi story? Because the second I, I went down the Brenda Fassi road, when yeah. I, I said, I chased it for three years, and I was like, wait, I'm never going to make the story. I'm like, I can't make Brenda Fassi without Weekend Special in the movie. You, you, were, you were thinking of creating the Brenda Fassi yeah, I was biopic. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah mm. I was chasing it. I was actively chasing it, you know. Um, but That's there's a story no, that needs to be told. Yeah, there's no one who's like, but you, can I tell you what then happens? Can I tell you what happens? Yeah is that an overseas producer mm-hmm. comes here, they say, oh, wait, how much do you want? And then they sign, a, they, they sign it in dollars. Mm. And then everyone gets a slice. But because you're South African and because you, you, you don't have the currency to back up what you really want, then they, 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 they don't take you seriously. 
you know. Do you think we underestimate the value and importance of cultural, institutional history, knowledge? Yeah, we do. Yeah, eh? we really do. We really do. Yeah. The second, um, even when I did Soon Comes Night mm. and people were like, oh, I was like, no, it's based with in time in, in two time periods. It's based in the 80s and in the 90s. People are like, oh, you're telling an apartheid story. I said, no, it's not really. But like the backdrop is political, but the story isn't like, you know, because we've also we've also kind of like just told that kind of narrative through one perspective. Right. As you were saying earlier. But we really like, you know, um, Jewish filmmakers will make movies about the Holocaust and like people will not get tired. And those films will still win Oscars till this day. Um, so there's um, there's a really huge gap within our our heritage, our culture that we're not preserving in terms of film, um, in terms of film really, and and then film encompasses everything, right? Yes. Because if I do a film about the '80s, what I'm also going to do is I'm going to include the music, yeah. I'm going to include the fashion, mm. I'm going to include the art. So just by one kind of medium of storytelling I've been able to preserve different facets of our culture mm. of the culture of black people at that time and I also think it's so important you know if we tell a Brenda Fassi story mm. we're also going to learn from her life yes and so that pushes the needle forward yes. in terms of how artists then choose to conduct themselves or yeah. the things to look out for. Yeah. It's just so important. Storytelling is. is so important. Yeah, yeah, yeah it really is. I how hope those you, stories get told. Yeah. They don't have it doesn't have to be by me, but I just hope they get told. How do you replenish your cup? Um family. Mm. Family. Gogo's um, very important to you. Gogo's eh? very important. Yo, Gogo. <laughs> she also seems delightful. She is. She's 90, I think 94 this wow. year. Yeah, and Gogo reads properly. Ooh. She doesn't need any reading with like reading glasses. Um, I try and rest. I, even when I'm resting, I'm, I'm an overthinker. Yeah. Um, I met an amazing partner who adores me. Uh, so a lot of my time, <laughs> I'm I'm trying to look down because I want to blush. Your face changed though. Your face changed. I want to blush too Adores much. you, you say. Yeah, yeah. So she's really great. She's actually listening right now. Um, Can I tell you how happy that makes me? Yeah. Yeah, very, very much I'm so. I'm really glad to hear that. I think partnership is incredibly important. Yeah. I see the value in partnership, particularly if you are... Um, an important person in the work that you do. Yes. And to have somebody who is in your corner. Yeah. I think it's so important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can I tell you something Mm. I realized in the time that I've been with her, right? Mm. Is that, and it's something that I find that we don't talk enough about as black men, is that sometimes, and more than often, when you're aligned with the right person that, you feel is right for you, that your ancestors feel is right for you, the blessings that just shower upon your life are amazing. Like, it's like, I, I like, yo, there's things that I've pitched years ago that yeah. someone's going, hey, listen, where is that proposal? I'm like, oh, that proposal. So what happens, I think, in the nature of, of uh, a man's thinking mm. and something that I've been conscious of to say, okay, it is by my own work that I'm actually going 
that I'm digging and I'm finding the gold and the gems and the diamonds and I am working hard, but I should never underestimate the person who's in my life that's helped, that's one, praying for me, right? And also unlocking these blessings, right? Because then what starts happening is that three years from now, like everything, a year from now, things are just blowing up and I'm, then I'm like, ah, wait, actually, uh, I want to, I actually don't like this life. I want to, I want to change. I want to get a sports car. Oh no, I want to. And then we break away from those unions, right? We break away from those unions. And then over time, like we only reach a certain altitude of our blessings. I honestly believe that because the way things are opening up for me, I'm like, oh, we don't talk about, we don't actually talk about a woman that's your partner that's a praying woman Mm. and what that does for your life. Mm. And you pray. Yeah, I do. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I have to. Yeah. yeah. And your spirituality is also quite evident. Yes. Yeah. I'm just struggling to find a good church. Um, yeah, I have a church I go to, but every now and again, the pastor says something and I'm like, Ish, am I a pastor? Why? <laughs> <laughs> uh, my pastor's too political. Yeah, I know. If you, if you go to that church, you'll know who I'm talking I about. I know that church <laughs> very well. I, I visited for a little while yeah. also. <laughs> I said, hey, my pastor's too political. Talk to me about the word. Where does it say what you're saying? But even that, I mean, there's so much wisdom in that almost the the original script, right? Yeah. There's so much wisdom in the Bible. Yeah. Um, And it's, again, one of those things that when I see people who are very, very successful, the spiritual foundation is there as well. Yeah, it has to be. It has to be. And I wish I saw the spiritual foundation within our leaders. Mm. Right. I've never, never like if I think we're also, you know, someone said mm. I actually read a tweet that said we're one we're one um election away from either being the greatest country or things could really go even worse. Yeah. And I truly, truly believe that. And I hope I hope we use our votes wisely to just kind of put leaders our leaders have to believe in God. Like they have to be praying leaders. Your leader has to be, you know, because then why am I being led by someone who doesn't believe in something greater than themselves? Mm. You have to believe in something greater than yourself. So I definitely think we'd be in a better place, but I do think that things are going to get better for us. I, yeah. I mean, there's no other way. We're not all moving to Australia. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. You move it to Perth. <laughs> I'm moving. <laughs> it's enough now. <laughs> I mean, please God, no. <laughs> the six-part crime drama "Soon Comes Night" is on Netflix now. Yes, you can follow him across social media. It's always very inspiring to watch how you move. It's just fun to get an insight into your life. Right, and this you. has been a really great conversation. Thank um, you. I've got a tweet from Miss. G saying Tabangwale is the epitome of class and so humble. His work is amazing. So, so proud of him. I've got Thank another you. one here. Um, uh, and it says Teabag in the building. Um, Mado saying a firm favorite Tabangwale. What a gent, what a legend, a humble soul. And I, I hope you carry that with you. You Thank are you. very appreciated. Thank you, Fabi. I really appreciate it. This Good to fun. see you. Yeah, yeah. that's great. Show yeah. that album by quickly. Mm. I'll even do the news.
Coming up. <laughs> I mean, you remember the presenting <laughs> yeah, exactly. days. So introduce us to the news. Hey, it's uh, 3 p.m. and I uh, hope uh, traffic is not too bad. Even if it is, don't worry because we've got Power FM with Puppy Malloy. It's time for the news. Stay tuned. I love it. <laughs> it's 3 o'clock. You've been listening to a Power 98.7 podcast. For more podcasts, visit power987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.